A very good day. Welcome everybody. It is the 18th of September. Well, here in Spain, it seems to have cooled down just a little bit. We've had it far too hot the last couple of weeks and uh, technology's been difficult, uh, movement is difficult, so obviously still working our way through changes. I'm going to bring you the stories that I've seen in the papers this week, things that you might not have picked up. Anyway, a good morning, good day, wherever you might be, and welcome to you. Well, where we're starting today is fallout from the uh, deal for uh, the, the submarines for Australia and Emmanuel Macron is furious at the submarine pact between the three countries which caught France off guard and resulted in the cancellation of multi-billion dollar contracts for Australia to build and purchase French diesel submarines. The French Foreign Minister Jean-Yves Le Drian announced the country was recalling the ambassador to the US, Philippe Etienne, last night, citing the exceptional seriousness of the announcements. France also recalled its ambassador to Australia, but has not yet made any move to remove its ambassador to the UK, Catherine Colonna. French officials are thought to view the US as prime movers in the deal, and Boris Johnson insisted the UK's relationship with France is rock-solid despite the row, but a French diplomat slammed Britain for acting opportunistically and former British ambassador to France, Lord Peter Ricketts, said he expects further measures against all three countries. Well, it is, um, uh, very, to say the very least, it's very interesting uh, what's going on in the world today because, quite frankly, I think one or two of the countries are now beginning to show their real colours. And so um, we can see from maybe one article that you read in one part of a newspaper something that gives you a clue that something is coming up the road. And then maybe a couple of days later you see something else uh, which tends to link in. Uh, what do I mean? Well, I'm looking at um, items in the paper this morning which Russia uh, has been accused of rigging the prices of gas to damage Britain's economic recovery from Covid and shortages that could ruin food chain supply in just two weeks. Mm. Uh, the country's state-owned energy firm, Gazprom, is now facing an investigation into the rise in prices. Um, and more than 40 MEPs last night signed a letter to the company in which they accused it of deliberate market manipulation. 
government ministers last night were in emergency talks with food producers to try and tackle the issue. Two fertiliser plants were forced to close down in the north of the country due to a lack of carbon dioxide available in the food industry. Uh, this of course having a devastating effect on the product of lots of products in including meat and obviously um, what I then thought would be very interesting is to see whether other people are picking up um, the same ideas that I am. Now there's somebody writing from London and giving a code M55589 whatever that's all about not too sure and they're saying the idea that Russia won't use its position supplying Europe's gas as a strategic tool to further their perceived national interest is crazy. It's a big problem for us and I hope the Germans are also reconsidering their decisions with regards to energy supply. Uh, quite frankly, that's the sort of thing that uh, crossed my mind very, very quickly the minute I saw all this happening. And um, then I looked at failure is not an option in Hemsworth writing uh, so they have a meeting when it becomes an emergency bit late now Boris China has been planning this from the start create a pandemic skyrocket debt in the West then create an energy crisis with the help of their Russian mates bring the West to heel classic Chinese tactics our response let's hope the wind blows at the right speed for the next six months and that it's sunny every day 24 hours a day it's criminal the way government have so little forethought, it really is. Now that's the area that I would be looking at and I would be very, very interested to see how much connectivity there is between the green politicians and any connections to the communist parties because quite frankly uh, some of the, the green politics is so obviously in favour of the communists and um, I, I know I do go on about this, but I went back to college and, um, you know, I was a bit older, so I went straight into the library. I dug out the Communist Party manifesto, and in it you see the things that the communists are learning and improving and trying to base a lot of their ideas upon going forward from that Communist Party manifesto. Um, with the pandemic you can see obviously that uh, if you can disrupt the family then that goes in line with the Communist Party manifesto alright it was written in 1848 uh, but then again um, ideas have to take root and that was to try and disrupt the family to be able to defeat capitalism um, going back to the gas um, and we have electricity prices in Spain, of course, skyrocketing. Isn't that a coincidence in a country that has so much sun? But there we are. Um, of course, in the summer months, we need the electric to cool us down. There's a personality, John, in St. Austell, and he says, stop blaming Russia. This is down to the incompetence of our government. God give me strength. Who goes to the enemy for supplies of gas? Now, that is a great comment. Who goes to the enemy for supplies of gas? Exactly right. We should be producing everything ourselves. Food, gas, oil, fuel, all should be supplied by us, not relying on everyone else. 
what happens when they stop? We are crippled. Do we learn nothing from World War II, relying on America for everything? Without America, we would have been dead in the water. We should have learned to be self-sufficient after World War II, but no, it got worse. Sadly, that um, well-thought-out answer to the article that person read has got that many grammatical mistakes in it that sometimes it's very easy to not see uh, the, the sense that that person's writing. Um, I think that that's a very, very sensible point of view and I really can't understand why nobody else uh, seems to be in government thinking exactly the same. Okay, let's have a little bit of music and then I'm going to come back and start looking at Spain. Okay, so we move on and we're going to look at uh, items in Spain um, uh, before, of course, we go to the UK. And what has our weather been like? Well, strange to say the very, very least. Um, we have had absolutely weird weather. Um, very, 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 very hot. Then we'd have heavy rain. Then we'd have humidity. Uh, let's have a look at Valencia last week. Okay, so Valencia, and uh, we are situated about an, uh, about an hour, roughly, by car. Um, the roads are good, and we can get up to Valencia, certainly um, from where we are now, at about 45, 50 minutes, something like that. Um, if you want to get into the city centre, as I say, we're up to round about the hour. Now, Valencia has been hit by intense rain and floods, with rubbish bins floating through the city centre. Valencia, you probably know, is the third largest city in Spain after Madrid and Barcelona. And it's been hit by storms and heavy rain, forcing uh, five flights to be diverted. It's flooded tunnels and homes and also uh, vehicles were trapped. 
from one of the stormy fronts that swept the region yesterday. Yesterday, um, this was written on Friday, so we're talking about uh, Thursday. It left a heavy downpour uh, where it rained heavily for much of the afternoon and included numerous lightning strikes. Well, looking up the coast from where we, we are, you can actually you can see the weather patterns coming in as they go to the mountains then it's sometimes hit and miss whether we get it or whether it goes back inland uh, but you can certainly see uh, how threatening things can be the storms uh, severely disrupted flights at the Manises airport according to the Spanish airport operator Ayena and the adverse weather forced the diversion of five flights that were going to land from Marrakech from Milan, from Mahon, from Zurich and from Hamburg. The first four headed to the Alicante airport, um, El Altet. That is driving from us about another hour going in the other way towards, um, well, towards the south. And uh, basically, um, if you if you look in the sky, you can see probably uh, inclemency in one or the other situation depending on which way the wind's blowing, you've got an idea of what's likely to be headed your way. Um, so four of the planes went to, to El Altet, the last one went to Ibiza, and then the, the towns of Cheste and Chiva were two of the most affected. The paving was raised on streets in some sections and water had to be drained from several homes. Hail fell for some time, mixed with rain, according to an agricultural spokesman. It's going to be necessary to analyze the possible damage the weather inflicted on agriculture. Um, three local policemen, by the way, one of them off duty, saved a woman who was trapped in a floodplain on the Camino del Anzul in Cheste. So, not happy days. It really can be absolutely horrible once the weather uh, is on the turn, and unfortunately, um, you know, there are still people who don't really understand the dangers posed by the weather and how quickly it can change. If, if you're living near mountains, uh, it's just, just very unpredictable. You're listening to Europe Calling. Thanks for joining me. And we're back with news of Spain. Okay, so when uh, we were living back in Cornwall, uh, just before the turn of the century, and I was involved in youth unemployment, um, and the hopefully the provision of jobs for the youth, 
Um, we did have a very, and we do have a very similar problem when you come here to Spain. And in the paper this week, um, we have an article, Spain continues to be one of the European countries with the highest percentage of people between the ages of 18 and 24 who are neither in employment nor in education or training. And this group apparently known as the Ninis in Spain, after the Spanish phrase, ni estudia ni trabaja, so uh, neither studying nor working. A total of 19.9% of youths fell into this category in 2020, according to this report, Education at a Glance 2021. And that was presented on Thursday by the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development. Only Italy, 24.8%, uh, recorded a higher share of young people who neither work nor study. Greece, 19.3 came in third place, so that's practically the same as us. According to experts, the coronavirus pandemic and its impact on education and the labour market may have contributed to why Spain has fallen so far behind other European countries, such as Germany, Norway and Sweden, where the percentage of these type of people, um, this group of people, I should say, uh, is less than 10%. The paper uh, went on to add the pandemic destroyed many of the jobs that young people can easily access without needing training, particularly in the service sector. This is uh, Nacho Sakira, the managing director of Fundación Exit, uh, which is dedicated to helping vulnerable youngsters join the workforce. The labour market is very polarised and in it there are highly trained people in sectors such as technology while those in a more difficult situation are condemned to temporary work and to constantly losing their jobs. This has intensified with the pandemic, he adds. Well, uh, if you've got a very sort of seasonal or precarious job, then it's bad enough to start with. Um, but the pandemic uh, can't be blamed for everything. The base wasn't there with respect to education. Youngsters in Spain have had the added difficulty of studying remotely as the pandemic forced classes to go online. This proved especially challenging for those who had problems accessing the internet or who did not have digital devices. And um, this trend uh, of the young people had been uh, falling for those that were in this category. And unfortunately, it's now started to rise again. So, the OECD uh, report um, differentiates between young people who are unemployed uh, but are actively looking for work and those who are inactive, neither in education nor seeking employment in Spain. So, there's lots of t statistics. The countries with the smallest percentage of those inactive people are Sweden with 5%, Germany with 5.3%, the Netherlands 5.5%, and in many of these OECD countries, the large majority of young men are unemployed, while most women are inactive. The same is true of Spain's 50.1 uh, women of this group inactive, 42.7 men are unemployed. Let me just add in a quick thought that I had there, that if you think about it, uh, we keep getting all these young uh, people coming over on boats and uh, we're, we're given excuses maybe from the UK and certainly from Spain that they have to be taken in 
and uh, lots of uh, politicians seem to be very polarised on the, the, the real implications. Um, it does seem rather strange, doesn't it, that if there's so much unemployment in your own country that you would want to be taking in groups of people from other countries. Uh, that does not make a lot of sense, certainly not in an economic sense. And for me, I think that uh, really something doesn't add up. Okay, moving on, and you know a lot of people, they will tell you that if you can get to the Canaries, uh, which is one of the group of islands uh, that um, Spain has, great, great holiday venue, venues. Um, but I always remember when I first went to Tenerife, or Tenerife in Spanish, the, um, the advice was always, when we were thinking of maybe moving to Tenerife, um, they said that no volcanoes are about and you never know that was the sort of warning we got in October 2011 following weeks of intense seismic activity an underwater volcano erupted off the coast of El Hierro in Spain's Canary Islands ten years later the nearby island of La Palma appears to be facing the same situation in the past few days more than 4,200 tremors have been recorded and the ground deformation indicates that magma bubbling beneath the surface. Um, there's a team of experts monitoring this now, the Volcano Risk Prevention Plan, and they say it is possible that the magma could cause a volcanic eruption on the surface. Um, and it was saying in weeks or days, but while the process has intensified, there are no clear signs of an imminent eruption. Um, so the risk of volcanic eruption is yellow, the second highest in the three-tiered system and uh, there was a person, Maria Jose Blanco, director of the National Geographic Institute in the Canary Islands saying everything indicates that it will evolve into earthquakes of larger magnitudes and that will be more intense and felt by the population. So it has been written um, for those that think that it's just all about just coming on a holiday and enjoying beautiful places, well, as Billy, as Billy Fiore used to sing, you're only halfway to paradise. Okay, so we move on. In the last five years, criminal gangs from Sweden um, 
Uh, and this is written by somebody who's a journalist specialising in organised crime in Sweden. Um, sources from the Swedish Police's National Operations Department have confirmed that criminal gangs from the Scandinavian country have shifted to the Malaga province, bringing extreme uh, violent tactics with them. They're feared for their cold-blooded modus operandi and their ability to penetrate any sector of society. Marbella is their logistics hub. Uh, the radio station that I used to work for had its um, one branch in Altea and the other one down in Marbella. So um, it is an area that I do know. And it went on to be explained by Mangerell. Sweden has a serious problem with organised crime. And this is a professor of criminology at the Swedish University of Malmo. The data indicates it has one of the highest rates of firearm deaths in Europe with more than 200 victims in the last five years. In 2020, the record was broken with 48 murders, the vast majority of which were related to the fight over the drug trafficking market. So why are these organized crime groups moving their war to Malaga? Well, says Garel, they want to be closer to the drug distributors because it brings more profit. In Spain, it is easier to live with the criminal with a criminal record and also spend the money earned from crime. Uh, that is not particularly nice news for anybody listening that particular area. Um, it is mainly the leaders of the criminal organisations that move to Spain, and they can be found in Malaga, as I've said. They also can be found in Barcelona where the Guardia Civil arrested two members of the notorious Dodds Patrulen, or Death Patrol. This was a gang and that was in February 2019. On the Costa del Sol a precarious balance is maintained in which each gang gets its share of the pie. Sometimes, however, there are problems. Either business deals do not come off or one organisation robs another, leaving a trail of corpses in its wake shootings with Kalashnikov assault rifles are not uncommon and conflicts are resolved by hitmen who sell themselves to the highest bidder and share the following characters characteristics they're very young especially violent and influenced by tv series uh, tv series they in imitate movies their idols are mafia figures and they try to emulate them explain petra stenkula so, um, let me just add in that this is information which does highlight things that I have spoken about on our podcasts for many, many times. Um, you know, it wasn't really just hearsay. Your own common sense tells you if we're given um, things that allow us to um, believe we can make ourselves better by playing our own... Um, messages coming back on the hypnotherapy tape then it makes an awful lot of sense to see that if you keep playing tv clips of people shooting other people and getting away with it and all that sort of stuff sooner or later then um, i'm afraid we have a debt that will come our way very sad news very sad reading
Okay, some better news in the last five years. Uh, sorry, um, Spanish star chef Dabith Munoz was awarded the prize for being the best chef in the world at the fifth edition of the Best Chef Awards 2021 on Wednesday. He's the owner of Diverjo, a restaurant in Madrid with three Michelin stars accepted uh, his award at a live event in Amsterdam and at a press conference following the award ceremony. Previously, he was known as David Munoz, by the way, uh, said that chefs around the world are in a hard situation due to the coronavirus pandemic, which saw restrictions in the hospitality sector. And um, this, he thinks, is going to be good. Uh, what comes to me comes to Madrid, which to me is one of the most exciting cities in the world today for gastronomy. It's quite interesting that um, the French don't feature in this particular um, awards at all in the top echelon and it seems to me a bit strange uh, that we were always told that that's where the best chefs come from. Okay, I'm going to look at Leapy Lee's column, so let me just quickly uh, set that up and um, when we come back uh, that will be where we are. Okay, so Leapy does say exactly the things that a lot of people are thinking. Homophobia is now rife, ramp racism rampant, and public, public frustration almost at saturation point. Why? Because these titles have been concocted to discourage the frank discussion of either subject. The conception is subversive, but brilliant. I've no doubt when this piece goes out, I will probably be accused of both. Well, I couldn't care less. One of the most frequent observations I receive from readers I meet up with is that they uh, peruse this blurb because I discuss opinions that are not allowed. And not allowed. How offensive is that? The Woken PC Brigade can now do just about anything they choose and the public are afraid to even talk about it. Lives and culture are being changed forever by minorities that wield such power it appears they can not only ruin reputations but also devastate law-abiding citizens' livelihoods with impunity. It only takes one woke to be at the head of a department or a company or a university, and with the threat or of dismissal or worse, they can basically control the politics, opinions, and even thinkings of their subordinates. All they need to do is report any adverse findings to a fellow woker high up in law or politics and the target uh, of the vitriol can suddenly find themselves at best on benefits and at worst in the dock. People are petrified to voice their true opinions in case they lose everything. Personally, I think it's already too late. I recently read of a decision, Leapy goes on to say, uh, to rethink the advertising of certain shampoos because it could be offensive to bald people. If it wasn't also dangerous, it would be comical. Well, unfortunately, it's not funny at all. The clear-thinking majority are now being manipulated in ways that would have brought a smile to the lips of Mao Zedong himself. Any organisation that agrees with these cancel culturalists or tries to bring their wholly unacceptable practices into the public domain 
That is, the scores of heavily guarded hotels now accommodating thousands of illegal immigrants, all paid for by the British taxpayer, is immediately vilified and pilloried in concerted attacks from all sides. In fact, one such operation has had all their requests for political status ignored for, or denied for years. This, of course, means the public are not given uh, the opportunity to cast a vote in their direction. And when you consider that Screaming Lord Such and his monster-raving loony party were actually granted this status, you get some idea of how afraid the, the lefties are of giving a voice to anyone who endeavours to bring some common sense into the equation. And um, what really Leapy is saying is that he feels that um, democracy is dead. So we move across to the UK and you probably have seen bits and pieces uh, where the climate change protests have been uh, disrupting the motorways and a teacher involved in the climate uh, protests who has been arrested on all three days of the M25 chaos during that the week has vowed to keep returning to block the motorway. Uh, the woman, known only as Sandy, said the insulate uh, insulate Britain activists were well protected by the police. Amid fury from drivers who were stuck on the road, the 31-year-old protester also said that losing her teaching job was only a small concern, only a small concern, compared to the environmental impact of Britain not lowering emissions. She added that there had been a lot of screaming at us from motorists earlier this week, but there was less opportunity for it today, thanks to the police's involvement. Well, I don't know about you, uh, but I'm thinking now of our own Spanish police here and how they will not tolerate anybody getting in the way um, and stopping things from uh, proceeding. And certainly in China, we do know that um, they would take a harsh line and Russia, they would take a harsh line. So how on earth these people are allowed still to be sit on a motorway and uh, disrupt the whole of the economy is totally and utterly bizarre. It's also totally beyond me. I just do not understand things. So we move on and a neighbour has been caught on camera attempting to sabotage the ring doorbell on the property next door claiming it overlooked his home. 
This is a guy, Stephen Grove, and he's 56, and he's attempted to damage the video doorbell at the bungalow in Birmingham on three separate occasions in 2021, leading to an appearance in court after cutting wires with a pair of pliers. Um, he pleaded guilty to criminal damages in August after the CCTV captured him in the act, and he got a 12-month conditional discharge. Um, the incident involved the pliers occurred in March while he was also filmed using a marker pen on the doorbell's lens just days after his appearance in court. Very, very difficult. You have to uh, realise that if you have got something which is overlooking your house and... Um, provided obviously you're up to no uh, particular activities that would uh, maybe um, worry the other party uh, but when I read a bit more into this it would appear um, that the person with the doorbell and the camera is trying to protect an elderly uncle and it got me thinking as to what really do we want in our society because on the one hand if everything was hunky-dory and people were all behaving particularly well, then we wouldn't have any sort of need for that, would we? We wouldn't have a need for people to even think of having to record criminal um, acts at the front door of your house. However, um, I remember when I was working down in Cornwall with one of my colleagues, Ivor, uh, I've used to always tell me, and he was uh, somebody that had a passion for cameras uh, and video, but I ever used to always tell me that it was getting too intrusive at that particular point in time. I think he was referring more to the cameras that you see out in society and on the motorways and all that sort of thing. But it does give us a dilemma. Um, do we keep ourselves watching? Do we keep ourselves informed in case somebody transgresses or um, is this guy becoming a little bit more of a nuisance very 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 difficult um, because you can see pretty good um, you can see good arguments for both of them can't you Okay, so it's almost as if you read in the papers and you see the American block, you see the European block, you see 
the United Kingdom, you see China and uh, Russia, and you get the idea that people are all working together uh, to defeat each other in some sort of competition, and we're all party to the whole process. Brussels is set to ask Boris Johnson. I'm reading that uh, they're looking for a agreement uh, for a defence and security pact with the EU. Uh, Mark Rutte, the Dutch Prime Minister, is due to meet uh, Boris Johnson for a working dinner. Uh, this was in Downing Street during the week. Reports suggested Mr Rutte will offer Mr Johnson the chance to work more closely with the EU on defence and security matters. The offer uh, to the UK will be viewed as a direct response to European disquiet over the manner of the US exit from Afghanistan and it also comes despite French fury over a new defence disagreement struck by the US, UK and Australia earlier in the week. Now this is obviously um, something that during the Brexit negotiations I don't think I ever heard anybody talking um, in great depth about the fact that the nuclear weapons up till this point in time had always been basically from the United Kingdom and then obviously uh, with France in the later stages. Now people obviously um, are beginning to take uh, a little bit more interest possibly in some of these uh, big discussions. Here's a thing that says uh, Angela Jones of London. Um, a defence pact. Don't make me laugh. These are the same people insisting on the Northern Ireland Protocol. Yes, I'm aware Boris signed it. They are happy to see destabilisation in Ireland just to prove a point. They are not our friends, but want to bleed us dry for money, services, security, etc. Uh, I think you have got to see a little bit of where she's coming from with that particular uh, comment. And then another one that caught my eye, here's the thing, NATO was born out of the Cold War, which was a direct result of German aggression, mass murder and enslavement of millions of people. And yet Germany does not meet its NATO spending recommendations of 2% GDP, like many of the other EU states with the exception of France and a few others. And now a German poodle in the shape of Rutter comes cap in hand, a real irony, as the Dutch as a nation are incredibly resolute and brave people as demonstrated in World War II. Sorry, the answer should be no and let the people paying less than 2% catch up. And I didn't particularly, um, you know, I, I didn't particularly um, want to vote in the Brexit ne negotiations because I felt I'd made my decisions and um, my wife or myself had come out to live in Spain I'd seen certain things that I didn't like happening in the UK and um, and yet, you know, I'm still proud to have come from a great country. My family and its roots are actually in Ireland. So, you know, it makes me quite mixed up in a lot of things that I think about. Um, and I'm very interested to find out how other people do feel about a certain um, things like, for example, you know, when Brexit was at its height, very often there was the um, there was the thought always for me 
that if we'd have all, and I'm talking about anybody that voted, if we'd have all been part of a club of 28 people, 21 didn't pay a thing, and, uh, you know, right, it doesn't ring true. I felt very, very um, unsure of how I would have voted had I been living in Britain at the time. Anyway, uh, I'm going to move on because um, I don't very often uh, want to talk very much about uh, Brexit. It's not that I want to particularly put my head under the blanket, but there are certain things that I still feel so strongly about. I wish I didn't. I'll tell you what I've found in a minute. Okay, so despite everything that's happening in the UK, a government advisor, now it's an advisor, so, you know, we're not talking about somebody with just an opinion, has admitted the COVID-19 vaccine would not have been recommended for children in normal times until it had been fully investigated. Professor Adam Finn, a member of the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, said scientists did not have the luxury of time to research the possible risks of jabbing children and would usually have collected more evidence before recommending their use on teens. It comes after the school rollout of jabs for children aged 12 to 15 was given the go-ahead last week, with the vaccinations set to start on Wednesday. But Finn said parents were justified in waiting an extra three months to six months to get their children jabbed until the risks were made clear with further research. This is in the Times, by the way, so uh, we're not talking about um, just any old newspaper. This is supposed to be good information. Finn added the decision on whether to vaccinate 12 to 15 year olds is not black and white, adding that while it is not essential for them to have a coronavirus jab, let me just go over that. Adding that while it is not essential for them to have a COVID a coronavirus jab, it is also perfectly sensible for them to do so. Well, that looks very suspiciously that like sitting on the fence. Um, there was also another um, thing that took my uh, attention. And it was, I don't know if you all rem remember this, when Donald Trump had this uh, strange concoction that basically was meant to, uh, well, he said, uh, protect him from the COVID. And I'm reading in the papers that the life-saving antibody cocktail drug given to Donald Trump last year will be given to vulnerable NHS patients from next week. That, that's incredible to read. Last month, the Health Secretary, Sajid Javid, heralded Ronaprev as the first treatment designed specifically for COVID-19 to receive regulatory approval in the UK. The Department for Health and Social Care said on Friday that it had the potential to benefit thousands of patients 
sorry, I'll read that again. The Department for Health and Social Care said it had the potential to benefit thousands of patients with its rollout initially targeted at those who have not mounted an antibody response against COVID-19. The government has bought enough of the drug to treat eligible hospital patients across the UK from next week. Well, if there's, no, if there's nothing that has been totally and utterly confusing to everything that I read, I think this is an absolutely, just absolutely, what we need is a bit of sunshine. Vitamin D. Okay, so I'm going to move on and we'll have a quick look at the headlines in the papers. Now, while we've got so many in a really, really difficult and very dangerous and very um, worrying things in the news at the moment, the headline in the Mail Online is Strictly Come Dancing is in chaos ahead of tonight's show launch as two professional dancers refuse COVID jabs, leaving the other contestants unhappy at pairing with them. So that's the most important thing. According to that paper, the Strictly Come Dancing is in chaos. Thank you very much for getting your priorities right. Okay, so looking down its priorities at the second, uh, which is also alongside another, yet another photograph of Strictly Can Come Dancing, Britain is warned it won't escape French retaliation over the new AUKUS defence pact, as furious Emmanuel Macron recalls the ambassadors to the US and Australia, and one of his diplomats labels the UK as opportunistic for signing up. Well. Well, France, certainly, um, I just do not understand 
their politics with um, with what's going on I really don't understand oh wait a minute didn't France have um, French Indochina before that was changed uh, to um, something else they're just wonder just worrying just thinking about um, you know links from the past Household bills in the UK will soar by more than 1,500 a year with families on the cusp of the biggest spending squeeze in nearly a decade. These are the experts um, trying to make the British obviously feel a lot reassured after all the horrible time they've had in the last two years. I'm looking at uh, an article which says can we really smell fear yes if you're a woman um, yes if you're a woman scientists found their behavior changed after sniffing uh, an anxious person's sweat I really really find that absolutely more news of the world than anything else um, maybe what we'll do we'll take a, a short last break and then I'll come back and have a look at that. I've got one article from Cornwall that I wanted to just also look at. Uh, let's see if I can quickly get to this one, which I will do. And this was a very, very, very sad event. Um, okay, I'm gonna sound judgmental, but you know, parents, if we have children, we're supposed to look after our children. That's exactly what we are supposed to do when we uh, decide we're going to proceed or whatever and get our family and a mother who went on a drink and cocaine binge while her nine-year-old boy um, was left with a bulldog cross has apologized to his father as a court her there had been uh, obviously um, this is down in Plymouth um, Frankie McRitchie from Plymouth received fatal head injuries after being attacked by the Staffordshire Bull Terrier at the Ten Creek Holiday Park in Lou in Cornwall in April. Now I know lots and lots of people immediately will run to the defence of the Staffordshire Bull Terrier but um, I'm really having a go more at the fact of the parent leaving a Staffordshire Bull Terrier alone with a child and just the two of them in a caravan um, the seven stone dog named Winston um, and the poor boy were left in the caravan mother was Tony Willis drank and took drugs in a nearby caravan with a friend and uh, obviously um, well, what, what would anybody judging this say? Andrew Cox said Willis had made a serious error of judgment. Um, but negligence, there wasn't enough sufficient to allow him to record a conclusive verdict. Um, it came as the court heard the dog had previously attacked three people. The dog had already attacked three people. I really, really find such um, such an article 
not only uh, just I ju it just blows my mind that somebody knows the dog can attack somebody and leaves the dog with a nine-year-old kid in the van and the poor kid was killed I feel so sally so sad for that um, poor child I really do and I feel so annoyed at the um, the lady that left the dog and her child. Terrible, terrible story. Okay, let's finish off then by looking at something a bit lighter and it really is possible to smell fear suggests a study. Well, you can suggest anything, but whether you prove it or not, but only if you're a woman. Women's behaviour changed after sniffing an anxious person's sweat. These are researchers. This is what we pay our taxes for to the universities. Um, having said that, I mean, obviously, great stuff does come out of research, but uh, they asked 214 men and women in total to sniff uh, samples of sweat from anxious people during a public speaking task and from relaxed people playing sports. And these, of course, are the same sort of psychologists who probably will come to a conclusion that um, certain people can be let out of jail uh, despite the fact that maybe they had done things and killed people in the past. Uh, the same game played with computers produced similar results. These effects were not found among the men. The findings may be explained by women's social evolution, said the researchers. This is the Heinrich uh, Hein in University in Dusseldorf. Um, I really don't find that one very conclusive at all. Needless to say, not many people have bothered to even look at the article, never mind write in and make a comment. Um, if you really feel that the money has been well spent, anxiety signals during threatening situations prompted our female ancestors to use their social networks. For example, if a predator was lurking, they would turn in to their children to ensure their survival and band with us to the others to get joint protection and comfort. This tending and befriending behavior might make them more sensitive to subtle signals of individual anxiety than men. Well, I think this is basically looking at sort of common sense uh, written large. Basically, if you've got the likelihood of being attacked, what do you do? Uh, well, countries, never mind individuals, they form packs, band together. Can't you see why the Australians are maybe thinking of the submarines? Sorry, I'm afraid silly things often can make you think about more sensible things and more critically important things. That's it for the week. That's Europe calling. Um, whether you like the new format or not, uh, you can drop a line and let me know. Um, I'll still be thinking as we evolve our podcasts and look forward to next week. Thanks for listening.